0: You are listening to Ya yeah, But. Recorded at Crescent Lounge in Seattle, Washington. And here's your host, Vivian Gabor.
1: And, I mean, like, putting voices in um, in your work is really important because it was it, one of my interview questions when I was interviewing for the UW program was um, they're asking me about what I think is important as a director. And I say, well, I think it's important that as a director, I'm able to put my viewpoint, my voice Mm -hmm. into a work as in hold the original author's
0: voice
1: and have them be in the same conversation and move a Mm -hmm. topic forward. And it was interesting because I think UW, the people who I interviewed with, did this very purposefully, they were debating me to see if I was really standing by what I said and why I said it and they were like so what do you mean are you saying a director's viewpoint that is invisible to the audience is not a valid show and I said I, I actually think so. I think if a director doesn't have a viewpoint and they're just then recreating do the <laughs> they're just recreating the original production, why are you doing it? Why yep. are you telling the story? Why it's not your show. Well, same
0: thing with movies. Like I'm how not I gonna go it. see a remake of a movie that's exactly like the original with a different cast. I wanna see what that director and producer are gonna do with an old story, how they're gonna breathe their own self into it. Um, Which
1: is why I'm really proud of my Into the Woods because I <laughs> I feel like I did that. I took Sondheim's voice and I put my own voice into it. So,
0: And I mean, that's that's something that has always intrigued me and makes me excited every time I go see a show because I'm a history nerd as well. <laughs> Hence why I want to get my PhD in musicology yeah, yeah. rather than opera um, because I want to study that history and study that interaction with Mm -hmm. The social consciousness in the show, um, especially when it comes to musical theater, musical theater is the best. What's the word I'm looking for? It's the best compass we have to the zeitgeist. It's the best way that we can see what was going on in that era of American history through the entertainment. I mean, when it started, it was just pure cabaret and vaudeville. Mm -hmm. It was just. We're putting irony and sarcasm on stage because we don't know what else to do with this terrible political climate.
1: Well, and you could see that all the way through theater history.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and then you get into like.
2: Well, the arts you in get general. Into,
0: yeah. You get into like Cole Porter and stuff like that during Ugh. the Great Depression. And all Love. of his stuff was all about champagne and bubbles and being wealthy and happy. It's because people wanted to escape. And then you got in, in, into World War II and all the, the shows started getting a little heavier again because people were dealing with what was going on and yeah. you started getting more propaganda in the shows. Um, and then nowadays you're seeing a lot more of the, like, kind of pop sound, almost purely like Sarah Bareilles wrote a show and it's literally Sarah Bareilles in her <laughs> show her singing her music. music. And yeah. it's incredible, but we're, it's you can kind of follow that timeline in American history through musical theater. yeah, And... One of my favorite shows that I like to actually randomly ran into a Broadway producer in New York City. Didn't know him before I um, chewed him out for what shows he should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> and then afterwards, I was like, what do you do again? And he told me, and I was like, oh, great. I'm going to walk away. Bye. bye. You'll never um, look at this down again. <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, one of the shows that is always a go to for me right now. Besides, I really think hair is an important show. Mm. Um, and West Side Story is an important show right now in our current political climate, but I really, really am desperate to see a production of Showboat, which was the very first yeah. musical musical in terms of what we know as a musical,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it was Jerome Kern. It was uh, you came out of the like. <laughs> Andrew's giving me crazy looks. You came out of shows like Pins and Needles and things like that where it was... Well,
1: I think it depends on what you define as a musical musical. because. Well, the first you had a lot of variety show type musicals. musicals. Well, the first total musical was, um, if Diana Trotter did not lead me astray, was Fiddler on the Roof.
0: I, Fiddler came was written in the 60s though. Right,
1: but until then musical it was uh, three, it, it, the idea of a total u- musical being Well, that uh, the all the three music are all
0: yeah. I I think the way I like to think of it is the music serves the purpose of a story um which the first time we see that instead of just a bunch of songs in review form, which was the the common Early twentieth century, late nineteenth century, early twentieth century form of theater was just reviews and um, follies and things like that. But then, kind of the first show you had that where the music expounded upon the book was *Showboat*, um, and Jerome Kern and Hammerstein wrote that together. Uh-huh. Um, but it's a show no one will do nowadays because it's such a hard book to rectify. Because the, w- the N-word is used hundreds of times yep. in the show. Literally, hun- the show opens with it being yelled across stage.
2: That's why Huck Finn has been banned from classes yeah. all over the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I mean,
0: the the reason why that word is in there so often isn't because it was in the vernacular in that day and age. It was because Kern and Hammerstein realized how awful it was and were trying to shove it in people's faces right. being like, this is evil. Um But because of that, we can't really do it anymore. Right. So when I had this later found out producer cornered, I was just like, this show needs to be done with its original book so people uh, right now can see what they're doing to other people and the effect it's having. But it needs to be one of those shows where you open it with a discussion and you close it with a discussion Mm -hmm. so people understand why you're doing the original book. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not just a here it is, folks, have fun with it um but i mean that's what th- uh, theater has it hasn't necessarily been watered down in my opinion but it definitely has gotten a little safer i feel like we've started self-censoring a bit
2: oh yeah absolutely
0: um just because we don't want to alienate people and it's a worthy worthy pursuit and, it, and we definitely shouldn't be alienating people but i think there is a a space for, with the correct leadership,
2: challenging conversations. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I definitely, yeah. if Showboat were to be produced, I wouldn't want to see myself directing it. I wouldn't want to see a white man directing that show. Right. I would want to see a person of color, a female, a, um, a m- much more diverse production team on that show mm-hmm. who could bring their experiences to it and make it a much more vivid production nowadays.
1: For the record, I just looked it up and I g- switched up some terms <laughs> in my head. The first, yeah, the first musical to completely integrate everything was *Showboat*, and Thank you. The f- m- first modern, the first, first modern, modern musical. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, the that only works. reason right. I knew that was because that was one of my exit interviews for my masters. Was yeah. you're in Pocatello, Idaho? Would you music direct a production of *Showboat*? If so, how? I was like, uh, first it's off, no. <laughs> not there. It's 11 a.m.
1: I'm sorry. Not I'm not in
2: perfect. Idaho. <laughs> what? Why? I expect you to be perfect at all times, Andrew. I'm sorry. i going to go know what's happening anymore.
1: Can I come die behind the bar? No. no. Okay. We don't
0: need that kind of obstruction Listen. back there. <laughs> It's a health code stage. violation and there's like a
2: lot of paperwork <laughs> and let's make to it do it. a do performance art piece. Dead bodies. Yes.
0: We'll just have you laying here dead and I'll just walk over you in heels. Yeah. It'll be great. Perfect. Great. We'll film it and blast it up on a billboard
1: somewhere. It will call it hemorrhoids.
0: We'll call it Larry, <laughs> <laughs> we'll call it Larry? is that what you said? <laughs> inside oh, inside joke. Oh my god. Huh. Cutting that. <laughs> 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 um I mean, okay, actually, that was a, r- a good segue. What about performance art? What about, because I honestly am completely unaware of current performance art, um, other than drag. I mean, I would consider drag a oh, performance 100%. art. Oh, Absolutely. But it's a very specific type that's used in very specific places um, that's starting to branch out. Like, we're, we're seeing, like, drag queens reading books in, in libraries, which apparently is the most offensive thing ever. Thanks, Naturally. conservatives. Oh, yeah. It was great. Um, and we're, we're seeing some of that. But in general, like, I, I'm not seeing anything like comedia or mime troupe kind of stuff anymore. Well, it's
1: because we see a modern shift in performance art. Like, the modern comedia is improv. You know, you look mm. at improv teams, you look at Second yeah. sto- uh, City, you look at Upright Citizens Brigade, you look at uh, unexpected productions in downtown Seattle, they're SNL. all doing. Yeah. Yeah, SNL. That is the modern commedia. Interesting. And, um, because they're using tropes right we look at SNL we can see those stock
0: characters mm-hmm. you,
1: like when Kristen Wiig does I think that, I
0: just learned to appreciate SNL better <laughs> well it's true it's so true <laughs> no, that, honestly that just well, because like, you opened up exactly my brain right, yeah. look at Kristen Wiig
1: she plays all these characters that are stock characters in a way mm-hmm. but they're their own twist right I think about that one character she plays where she's at like the ski resort with what's like Charles Barkley she's like
0: Ooh, oh what my if God! I drink I love this that. milkshake. <laughs> and like, She's does like it and super it's sweet and cute, and then all of a sudden gets like really ugly and terrible. Right, and it's yeah. because that's a stock. Yeah. Right,
1: and you look at improv, and we it, because stock characters that which is what made Commedia a commentary on modern society using stock characters. And that's yeah. seen in improv now for performance art. You gotta, I think, I think you gotta ask. How wide is your definition of performance art yeah because do you consider performance art art that is theater or art that is art because you have performance art that is happening in photography and in video True. Right. Um, and like there was a at the, the Museum of Modern Art in uh, London they recently had an exhibit a few years ago uh, where someone was castrating himself <gasps> as a video. Is that performance art and holy shoot right. And,
0: um, <laughs> I wouldn't have like to that you that censored one. yourself on that <laughs> one.
2: Holy shoot.
0: Sometimes, gee. sometimes my like,
2: golly gee, mister. Sometimes my
0: like inside 12 year old still <laughs> comes out and is just like,
2: I don't know ah! what to do anymore. Listen, ah! I work in children's theater. It's fine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so you look at performance art now and you got uh, you look at, you ask that question and, um, I see performance art being done all over the place because I think, um, I think you look at schools that are doing commentary on the shooting that just happened like they're Mm -hmm. creating performance art in a way they're doing their photography and they're doing it on social media instagram and you look at uh things like reboot theater which um in seattle which is a company that re that reboots classic works with a twist and so Mm -hmm. they're currently doing a production of little shop of horrors where Everything is gender flipped for the most part. Ooh, and um, should go see that. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) I was almost cast as Mushnick. Dang it.
0: Ugh. Um, See, I'd want to be Audrey too.
1: Well, they cast well because they cast a but it's a soprano as Audrey.
0: Oh, nice. And
1: uh, Danny Hobbs um, as Seymour. Okay. And um, I think they cast a female presenting dentist. They cast a female Audrey too. Um, I like that Audrey too We should a go a watch a that they one. urchins <laughs> <Huh>?
2: <laughs> Did we see more? I said uh, Audrey Two As a soprano one Yeah <laughs> Oh my god So
1: I think performance art Is still current It's just you Yeah You gotta know where it it to look a, Yeah
2: It's a All very different da- spin on what we traditionally have known as performance art for sure.
0: I mean, I honestly, that just blew my mind in terms of thinking about SNL. You're welcome. I'm that's, still stuck on that. Just like, for. Oh my God, I can <laughs> appreciate so it now. Right, well, because there Andrew. are so many like skits on there that I'm just like, this is stupid. Yeah. I don't get it. But thinking about it from that viewpoint, I'm now just like I need to go watch all of those again, and I just watched. You're the, welcome,
1: um, SNL. I'll take my. I'll take my check. <laughs>
0: well, and I just watched the. Um, Michael. I've been watching through comedians in cars getting coffee. Um, yeah, yeah. With uh, Jerry Seinfeld.
1: Which in a way is performance art. Right. So
0: good, and it's so like being able to see people off of their normal screen and just talking and having conversations. That alone gave me a huge appreciation for Kristen Wiig that I never had before. Right. Same with Sarah Jessica Parker yeah. and, well, and l- Jim and Carrey it. and all these people that I d- just like, oh, they're just slapstick humor people, blah, right. blah, blah. But then sitting down and realizing, oh, wait, no, they're making these choices intelligently.
1: And James Corden, you know, he does yeah. those-
2: the sidewalk musical is my favorite. Or like the
1: sing along in his car. Like, yeah. that is performance art. It's- my crazy. favorite. Yeah,
0: my favorite James Corden segment is the um, oh, she what does he call it? The one where you either have to answer the question or you have to eat something disgusting. I've not heard of this. What? Oh, you need to look it up. He did one with Anna Wintour, and she, like, eats a piece of cheese pizza that's wrapped in bacon and hates the whole thing. (laughs) So good. So good. But then, I mean, thinking from... Bringing it back into, like, queer culture, thinking about drag. I mean, we have Drag Race, which is coming under a lot of fire right now because it's kind of leaving that performance art area and going into strictly mainstream reality TV, which, I mean, it is what it is. Cool. Fantastic. And then we now have Dragula coming out, which I would almost see as more of a... Not necessarily purely performance art, but a more specifically thought of as performance art show with their runways. It's less of a, I'm here in my outfit walking down and walking back and more of a, they make them actually perform as those characters on stage for several minutes. Um,
1: I, it's I it, like I go for it. Throw that shade. No, 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 no. I <laughs> I see for, it forming. No, it's not, no, no. <laughs> the thing is I've never watched Dracula because it scares the shit out of me. I oh you it, should, I though. can't. Like it's need, so good. You know I pass out with needles.
0: You s- <laughs> just skip the <laughs> uh, just skip the extermination rounds.
1: Um, but I I think about how th- I think there's this weird cultural categorizational that's happening where we have to categorize everything like this is performance art this is not this is mainstream this yeah. is original work this is children's theater it's like why can't I, like i don't want to be like the why the, do we have to
2: name everything the like, let's
1: all get along and hold be. hands and sing kumbaya of arts but why can't <laughs> with all, but why can't we with with such a the fire and the attack happening on the National Endowment of the Arts, and th- with the attack that's happening on arts in our culture in general, why mm-hmm. do we have to be divisive about it? Yeah. Why, why can't RuPaul's Drag Race, even though it is going mainstream, still be performance art? I'm not saying that you said yeah, it no, no. wasn't. Yeah. But like, there are people who are saying like, "Oh, I can't support drag anymore because it's uh, Drag Race anymore because of what Ru said on Instagram," which we all know was a political stunt to get more attention for his next season. And it's just, it, I it's yeah. just why I'm w- going
0: to say mute on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is I, I, as
1: a member of the LGBTQ community and as a director who feels called to do a lot of LGBTQ and queer art yeah. and multicultural narratives, uh, that's something that I'm really, really passionate about in feminist narratives and, it it doesn't have to be so cut and dry. We already are being divided enough in culture. Why do we have to divide ourselves and subdivide within the community that feels most like family? Yeah.
0: Well, and for instance, Seattle Opera is doing their new series where it's all LGBTQ composers and book writers who are writing new um, one acts and full operas about LGBTQ characters performed by LGBTQ performers outside of an opera house. Like they're in other random places and it's so Cool and so exciting to see the the art itself morphing and changing and being able to adapt to its new
2: and becoming that much more accessible too to to yeah folks that going to the opera is scary it, it can be you know and, arts and the arts in general oh <laughs> it's it's hard to if you if you're not already part of the community it can be very intimidating to try and explore oh yeah. <laughs> any oh of yeah. the arts. Really, but opera, especially for for me, has always been kind of the most opera intimidating to dive scary. into, for sure.
0: I mean, I, the, the first time I went to the Ring Cycle, first off, operas are long. Yeah. Although I will say for most operas, when people bring that up, I'm like, did you w- sit through the entirety of Return of the King? <laughs> you can sit through <laughs> an Listen. opera because you get a break. But, like, you get the Ring Cycle, which is four operas, the shortest of which is two and a half hours, right. the longest of which is five and a half hours. <laughs> I had trouble sitting through it, and that's what I do. Um, but it's it's such an environment where you sit there, and if you move and make too much noise, you will be escorted out and not allowed back in. There was a guy two rows in front of me whose phone went off during one of the shows. I think it was during the second of the four He was escorted out, and his tickets were canceled for the next two shows. Wow. Like, opera can be very intimidating. Right. But that's why, like, the Metropolitan Opera started doing their simulcasts. Yeah. So you can go see operas in a movie theater and eat popcorn and candy and and talk and do whatever and see Renee Fleming during the break interviewing performers. So it's a lot more relaxed, and it's a lot less...
1: It's more accessible.
0: Scary. Yeah, it's a lot more accessible. Um. I just I, I want to walk around and see a group on the street corner going at it. That's like in my mind, I just I wish I was in Renaissance Italy where I'm just if like, upset, there is literally someone on that street corner stabbing. A <laughs> I want to go on down the on the corner
1: and see someone going at it. it.
0: I mean, I do that anyway. But,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but then go do that. Like, that's the thing I would say, like, my biggest encouragement for artists is like, be the art that Gulp. you want to see in the yeah. world. Like, if you want to see people going at it on the corner, doing opera, <laughs> like, go do
0: opera on the Make corner. Go and at it. Yeah.
1: Who's going to stop you? Right.
0: I mean, besides needing a permit in certain places, but.
1: You only need a permit if you're making money.
0: But money. <laughs> 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 I mean, if that's the case, then I don't need a permit for anything anymore. Oh. Ouch. Welcome to the <laughs> arts. <laughs> <sighs> um, I'm trying to think if I had any more questions. Um, In terms of, I mean, uh, circling back around, since we're, since it's kind of getting to the point where we're a little bit wrapping up, circling back around, how, because a lot of the concepts that I can come up with for myself are very adult based and very like, I work in bars. I can't really work with anyone under 21, 18 sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) luckily sometimes it's good that I can't um just because of the type of art that I make but how do we encourage a lot of these a lot of these things that we're talking about in terms of pushing the government in terms of pushing those boundaries and things like that how do we encourage that for kids in a safe way that doesn't necessarily expose them to too much too quickly because I mean at least for me and absolutely chime in but at least for me I don't necessarily want to keep kids away from everything but I do think there's a time and a place to learn things so like I wouldn't necessarily let my let a two year old say fuck or even know what that is but at a certain Yeah. yeah so like how do we how do we navigate that with children and how do we encourage them to go to those really deep places
2: I for me I think kids are smarter than we give them credit for mm-hmm. and they are mm-hmm. way more aware than we give them credit for mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Um, I, children's theater tends to be afraid of tackling, um, mature content with kids in general. Uh, the company I worked for, worked with back in Missouri, um, we did spring awakening with high school and high oh, school and college nice. students. And there's a lot of a lot of controversial content oh yeah. in that show absolutely it's like there's a new rent high school edition that uh seattle children's theater is doing as one of their summer summer is that the
0: one where they take out hiv and put it in something else i'm not sure that i haven't read, read the, the script the i heard angry. was that they replace it with diabetes oh my god why that's not oh my god
2: no that's not okay that's
0: full-on changing history at that point
2: right um, you know, there's a Grease High School edition. That show is nonstop sex. The yeah. whole freaking show. Well, Grease Lightning, the lyrics were cleaned up. It's not yeah. quite so much about sex. But also, they're high school students. They're it's having sex. They're, they're, they're saying with. fuck, yeah. They're saying shit. Like, they're cursing nonstop. They're high. Let's look at this whole March oh, yeah. for Our Lives movement right yeah. now, led yeah. by high school students. They are aware, they are capable, they are smart, mm-hmm. and even the younger ones. Seattle Children's Theater just did um, the journal of Benuchita, which yeah. was. A story about a young Japanese boy and his uh-huh. family who were put in an internment camp during World War II, and his father. Oh, that's the
0: My Name Is America book. That yes, yes, it is. okay, there we go.
2: And his father committed suicide in that yeah. play, and they did. They made that happen on stage, and it was a show for holy shoot children. Yeah, um, it was done very tastefully as a as a shadow, um, and and. It's important to be thoughtful about how to do those things, but it's—I mean—we're yeah. experiencing all of the what's happening in the yeah. world at any yes. age, so and being open to and considering the fact that kids are aware and they—they're smarter well, than we give them credit for. I think that's
0: a good point as well of. It isn't necessarily what we expose them to; it's how we expose them yeah. to it. Yeah, and
2: the conversation that we have with yeah, them. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You have to be able to dialogue Beyond. with them about this. Yeah.
1: yeah, but you—I think the second you start believing that, oh, I can censor the world for these kids because mm-hmm. that will protect them, that's where we start seeing like the that's 40 when your child becomes a dark queen. 20 right. Years later. <laughs> or forty <laughs> years down the road, we have a super close-minded America. Yeah, yeah. you know, like. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I think there's a lot of ways where our country is very progressive, but there's so many ways where we are not and yeah. where we should be. And you look at culture around us. You look at Canada. You look at England. You look at other countries around the world who are so forward-thinking. Yeah. We are taught. I, I mean, I went to a Christian elementary school, high school, middle school, college. Mm-hmm. And for most of that, except for at Whitworth, we, I was taught very specifically to think of the world as America's the best, yeah. we are so far ahead of everyone. Oh else. yeah, completely. We are. Everyone else is like treated like you might. You can't travel anywhere because you might die. And the thing yeah. is, is that. It's so not that way. We are so far behind. Oh, and I yeah. think the second yeah. you start believing that you can censor the world around a child to make it safe, we start creating a culture of my way is, is the only way. Yeah. And so I wonder if, like, a lot of the people that support Trump right now or in our culture, that if they had the opportunity to have those conversations that are difficult at a
0: younger age. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. you
1: can't fool yourself. You just can't. No. Well, we, I mean, in one way you want to expose your kids and encourage a conversation that. Is progressive and helpful, yeah. rather than trying to blind them from it.
0: Yep. Well, and there's a um, Chelsea Handler did a docu series on Netflix called Chelsea Does, mm-hmm. and one of them was Chelsea Does Racism, and she went to I think it was Alabama, and there was there were two barbecues, one on either side of the street. One was a uh, black church, and one was a white church, and she went and talked to both of them about racism and slavery, and. When she was talking to the white people, it wasn't necessarily that they were specifically trying to be hateful. What she found out was they were just completely ignorant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, no one had taught them about it and had, in fact, been teaching them the opposite. Mm-hmm. And they never had reason to question it. And that's what theater and the arts are for, is to ask those questions that no one else is asking.
1: And to have the conversations that are hard.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Like, w- I mean, in uh, my Into the Woods, we had some good conversations with my cast because, mm-hmm. yes, Into the Woods is about sex. Like, you have to talk about it. Yeah. And we talked about. We had a really good discussion about consent. Mm-hmm. We had a really good conversation about feminism. We had a really good conversation about um, misogynistic theory in uh, roles of leadership. Um. It, and like, the important thing is we are willing to have those conversations. Yeah. And, I think to answer the question you asked originally with how do we do this with kids that are maybe too young to have these conversations you don't want to overexpose them I would say as teaching artists we have to allow ourselves to be artists that encourage conversation and are open to it and create an environment where if like you have a question hey let's talk about it but you don't have to go in and be the 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 patriot or the the martyr of right modern issues and be like today i don't care that we're doing
0: Susical the musical
1: we're going to talk about racism yeah <laughs> we're going to talk about it really explicitly
0: yeah or but we're going to do same, <laughs> in the same sense if you were doing Susical and so and your horton came to you and it was like what is the person a person no matter how small what does that mean in terms of the show and like the original author and and i like, would turn it right back at them that. and be like what, what do you do think, think? It yeah. means? exactly
2: let's talk about it right Absolutely.
1: What's the problem with this play? Oh, the sour kangaroo in the entire world is is bullying Horton because they don't see what he sees. Yeah. And he's trying to do what he thinks is right. Uh, Now, I'm not going to go into a Seussical where I'll be like, let's talk about rape. And (laughs) yeah, you're not going to do that. But you can have those healthy conversations that help students.
0: Well, I even remember like growing up, I grew up with a Jewish mother and a Presbyterian father. And my mom would not watch any movies about the Holocaust. It just was, it was a mood point. Like, she just didn't want to be there. Like, I don't have family on my grandma's side because they all died in Treblinka. Wow. Um, So we just didn't talk about it. But we did go to plays about it,
1: Hmm.
0: which was, uh, like, thinking about it now is a very interesting thing because, and it goes back to that idea of conversation, because with a movie, you can't have that. Right. A movie is a very presentational, this is this. Mm -hmm. This is what we're showing you. Versus like we went to Seattle Children's Theater a lot. We had season tickets and they would do things like Number the Stars and Diary of Anne Frank and and things like that where the the actors themselves would then come out on stage afterwards and you have all of these kids from birth on up sitting in the audience saying, what the fuck did I just watch? Like, why exactly is this a like thing? That. And exactly. <laughs> like <that>. What the fuck? <laughs> <book laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and having the person playing and Frank standing there being like, this is what she was going through. She right. was your age. Right. And she was dealing with this. I mean, although we now know a lot more about that book and how it was published and how much of it is actually her, but,
2: but it's still an important story. And yeah, and absolutely. An important conversation to
0: have. And it's so much easier. There's goes my pen. Um, it's a, a much easier conversation to have when there are people physically there yeah. presenting that art. Right. And I think that's what kids need.
1: They need it, the theater. They need it so much.
0: They need the theater, they need visual arts. They need to be able to They need they Sense need to be able to write what they need. Yeah. They need right. to be able to rip up paper when they need to rip up paper and throw oh paint at a canvas I could
1: and go off so hard on a tangent about paper do you know schools do not like they don't do homework like th- normal anymore they do it on the computer i was doing an after school class but you and don't I'd learn be- as well i know and i was like i was doing an after school class and i'd be mm. like hey students get mm. a piece of paper and a pencil and they'd be like we, we don't, don't carry any. that with us because all our homework's online now and i'm like Ugh. oh excuse me yeah
0: Sorry. Like they've done Huge so tangent. many they've no, that's fine. They've done There's so many so studies. So many
2: studies about th- how Well,
0: especially like I have I have this yellow learning. pad in front of me and the reason they make pads yellow is because they've shown that colored paper helps you remember things better than just plain white paper. Yeah. Like using as many physical and visual cues as possible will help you maintain information. Which, again, goes back to why theater is important, because if you're seeing it happen right in front of you, you're going to retain that information and that lesson so much more easily than, oh, Netflix is on in the background.
2: (gasps) Yay.
1: -hmm.
0: This has been heavy. This is the heaviest one so far. (laughs) Oh,
1: boy. How can we line it up right now? Most let's embarrassing theater stories. Let's go.
0: Ooh, yes. Let's do that. I want to hear them.
1: Ooh, embarrassing
2: theater stories. I have them
1: because uh, they happen a lot <laughs> to me. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I have,
2: I have two good ones. Okay. okay I'm uh, ready. You
1: okay, go first, Okay. okay uh, I have a few, so I'll start with one. Um, so, to set the scene, this was in high school, sophomore year. Okay. We were doing Guys and Dolls. Yes. Oh, God. As every high school does. Right. And (laughs) I was (laughs) in the show as a featured dancer, a gambler, a Cuban dancer, and um, a Salvation Army member. And so I was in every dance number. And I remember doing the Gambler's Ballet, which is right before Luck Be a Lady tonight. And Mm. we did this very intricate, like athletic number where we were jumping we were cartwheeling we were round offing we were flipping and i did the whole damn song and on the last b i go into like a lunge as our final pose did you split it, your pants and i it literally i was like that's what my rip. story <laughs> was like <laughs> and, <laughs> no. and my pants split right up the center and, and i were in the we're in the sewer of the show and i was like I'ma gonna leave <laughs> 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 because I was just fair, well, and I was like, fair I'm fair an fair I'm fair. An ensemble member. Hmm. I'm a I'm a just walk through this pipe, and <laughs> I'm out, and I go off stage, so I d- change pants and I go back on to uh, go t- back to the person. I go to the costume am like, I ripped my pants, fix them up, <laughs> and I went to put on my other pants to go on for the next number that I was in, which was sit down your rock on the boat, which yeah. was a top stop a tap stomp yeah. number. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and we're doing the number and. I go to do this move and it's like a, it's a pat pat and then you pat your chest you pat your knees and you go down to the floor uh-huh. jump up and clap and I did that move and I was like rip <laughs> <laughs> I was like, motherfucker. You
2: ripped two pairs of in pants in one that's
1: performance?
0: Called, that's called you were dancing too much and your butt grew. I know. <laughs> I have a good butt. I'm oh, doing enough squats. So there. then I,
1: I, I got that up and I was like, I was like, gonna <laughs> I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave. So I just Bye-bye. walked off stage and it, the next thing I could do was the curtain call. And the only pair of pants I had left were the khakis from the Cuban dance number. So I'm wearing on top of my upper part, a tux with khakis. Perfect. Like the little gay boy I was. <laughs> <laughs> Although I wasn't oh out Oh my then, God. But, Yo, uh, but that's but another still. podcast sometime. Um, but magical. I brought my other pair of ca- pants to the costumer and she's like,
2: what the hell are you Pareem? doing today?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't, I, I can't. Help. It's not my fault. So better
0: scenes.
1: Oh Give me bigger God. pants. I've got a big butt. Okay.
2: <laughs> Learn how to make pants for big butts. That is so funny. That's one. I so nothing really embarrasses me. Like I, I'm, I've never. We been all easily say that, but it's not true.
0: You know, there's one or two. moments. I'm gonna tell a really good story, okay, which good.
2: is not a performance story. It's a rehearsal story. That works. Um. Mm. So I here's my other fun fact. My family talks about poop a lot.
0: Good. Um. Good.
2: It's because when my parents got divorced, I was super constipated for like. <laughs> an entire year and so every that time we sat be down funny,
0: it's totally I know psychosomatic, but it's hilarious. I know
2: well every time we sat down to dinner it was like oh my god Corey have you pooped today <laughs> and it was like you I get a cookie that if you poop of my
0: life too you know
2: so there was a whole period of time where we just talked about poop at the dinner table and oh, so god. it's kind of become my life um, anyway so I'm at rehearsal for what show was it I think it was hairspray. Yeah, It might have been the Great American Trailer Park musical, which is the funniest fucking thing. I don't know that one. You have to find it, because, like, anywhere, it is hilarious. Um, but anyway, I think it was Hairspray. I had to poop, so I went to the bathroom, and I went poop. And the entire, like, tw- 20 minutes later, we're all on stage rehearsing a dance number. And the entire, one of the, I think it was our director, was like... <laughs> Who took a shit? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. we had to clear the building out because <gasps> my shit smelled so oh my bad. God. It stunk the entire building up. Oh, no. You're welcome. So, funny poop story. I'm, again, poop not story. embarrassed yeah. about that. Like, everybody poops. It's fine. <laughs> my sister one time said, nope, this was me. She had a toy of some sort. And she's like, why does it have a hole in its butt? And I said, Abby, everybody has a hole in their butt. So... You know, everybody poops, everybody's got a hole in a butt, and it's practical. It's fine.
0: That's so good. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) my story is also a pants ripping story, but that's because I was a fat kid. (laughs) And, (laughs) okay, so, it was in Seussical the Musical. Mm -hmm. I was Horton the elephant. The costume we made for me was this beautiful, like shiny fabric that my mom found in like the wedding section, and I felt so cool. It was like this, <laughs> this like button-up shirt and then these cool pants, and I just felt so awesome and shiny and amazing as an elephant. First time in my life, I loved being fat. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get we get to um, our final dress rehearsal. Not final dress rehearsal. It was the first dress, dress rehearsal with. Um. No, it was the final dress rehearsal. So Horton, for those who don't know, have to has to in the entire second act of the show sits on the tree. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's just that's what he does. Yep. It's the best because you don't have to learn any blocking. It's no. like Horton on stage. Cool. I'm on my tree. And you Great. Get we're around. done. I get to just react. Thank you. Yeah. Best role. I would play it again in a heartbeat. I want to. Um, but the tree they made me wasn't any just normal sitting tree. Okay. No, it was a 20-foot ladder folded in half.
2: Holy fuck.
0: So yeah. Um so what they and it was on wheels too. Right. So there always had to be someone on either side of it uh-huh. holding it so I could climb it and then I sat on the very like pinnacle of it. Yeah. So they put like this weird like pillow duct tape to it so sure. I wasn't in too much pain because it's an hour and a half sitting there.
2: Straddling the top of a ladder.
0: Super it wasn't even straddling. Like I sat like side saddle. Side saddle? Ha- because oh, you had God. to sing right, right, right. the whole time, and I was not about to like crush my junk the entire show. <laughs> I was in eighth grade. Everything already hurt. So like, <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> um, so I sat side saddle the whole time. I had to sing with my torso shifted. Come on,
1: little gay boy. Sit <laughs> yeah, side saddle right? on a
0: ladder. Come on, sit and side saddle. Holding my little. Are you egg. alone in the universe?
1: No, <laughs> you got a family in the LGBTQ community. World.
0: we are Salah Salou Uh, (laughs) um, but so with these super shiny pants my mom made my pants and she didn't know how to work with the super shiny material Mm. she also had just gotten me cool new boxers that were Spongebob Squarepants boxers and I felt so cool because they were my first pair of boxers so I wore them that day um, to our final dress and our final dress was an invited dress rehearsal with the cast of Susicle from bothell high school because we had a good relationship with them and they were doing the same show at the same time so they're like we're gonna come see you and then we went and saw them i get up there horton gets on the tree at the very end of the first act i sit down the entire back seam of my pants <laughs> curtain closes i didn't realize it curtain closes. The, one of the hunters is standing there holding the ladder, pokes me with her gun, and is like, SpongeBob showing, Horton. <laughs> like, what? And I, like, oh my God, j- basically jump the 10 feet dream. off of the ladder, run to the bathroom and look, and the entire back seam had ripped out. Oh, no. So I run into the back room. I change into jeans. And then the truly embarrassing part Life of that, cause that like, I didn't work, realize, well, I, yeah, I didn't did realize you, what did had happened. The actual it. embarrassing part was at the end of the show, um, the end of the rehearsal, the entire cast sat on the edge of the stage, and we had this fun like conversation with Bothell High about their production. Yeah. First question out of any of their mouths was, they raised their hand and were like, why did Horton change pants for the second half of the show? <laughs> and my director wasn't about to say anything, because she knew it would be embarrassing. I would have, totally. My Gertr- my pants split! My Gertrude was sitting right next to me. And she said it? And she goes, because he ripped his pants! And the entire room started laughing at me, and I just oh. wanted to run into But not only did it happen that one time, it happened every single show. Oh, my oh no. God. You'd think we would have learned and just gotten me new pants. Nope. Anyway, that was our embarrassing stories. And I think there's other ones. <laughs> The microphones are start to, starting my to start. My other to really leap. good one
2: is I was playing Maureen in Rent. Yes. And I was doing Over the Moon. And the whole ensemble for the show would, like, time their costume changes through the course of that song. Because it was just the principals that were on stage for the mm-hmm. number. And I skipped somehow half of the song. <laughs> and I had no idea in the moment that I that it happened. Yeah, been there. Um, so I'm just going along, doing my thing. Apparently skipped half the song. It wasn't until... Like three hours after the show closed that one of my cast members was like, hey, what happened in Over the Moon tonight? And I'm like, the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) They're like, dude, you skipped half the song. (laughs) I'm like, what? They're like, yeah. All of a sudden we were like,
1: shit.
2: Shit. (laughs) Ah. There were just clothes flying all over the place backstage because I fast-forwarded through the song, apparently. That was me
0: every night in Midsummer Night's Dream because I was Oberon, and every single one of his monologues is just a list of flowers or a list of animals, and I would inevitably forget 20 of them. Yeah, So I'd just be like, Puck would be on stage with me and everyone else is doing their changes, and I'm just like, be it Pard or Bear or, hey, look, it's Lysander! (laughs) (laughs) He would be like, no! I, I, I think
1: forgetting lines is one of the funniest things yeah I was at, when I was touring around with Missoula Children's Theater um, come on MCT I know come on come on little red truck um, <laughs> one of my favorite things what uh, one of my favorite memories I should say of skipping lines was when I was in Secret Garden and we are doing the show and in Secret Garden our role is like the detective literally a device to just narrate the story yeah. like we mm-hmm. play no other function than just to help the story move forward and we were doing, it was in the middle of the scene where I have no lines. And suddenly my brain was like, it's, it's your, your turn. turn. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it was like, it's your turn. Say something, not words. Just say something. So in the middle of one of the kids' lines, I just look. I'm doodling on my pad because it, it's like the 40th time I've done this show. And I literally just look up and go, how hey, <laughs> <That's> and magical! <laughs> and I looked at my pad, and I was like, "Did I just have a seizure? <laughs> it just like, happened to me?" <laughs> and the poor kids were looking at me like, "The fuck, you just oh stepped God. on my line!" <laughs> 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 and, and um, excuse me. And I was just like, "Just keep, just keep." It's And I just, I oh just will forever God. laugh at that, just because it was like, "Say something." Not worse. <laughs> <laughs> Just anything. <laughs> make some noise.
2: <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. I was in Tartuffe in high school, and I played the the officer that comes and essentially tells the family that they have to get out of their house by uh-huh. the end of the day. Uh-huh. But I did it like a cracked out drag queen. <laughs> so I had like huge hair, lipstick all over my face. And I just came out with this, like, creepy serial killer smile on my face, and I just stood there for a minute, just staring at everyone. My mom and my best friend are sitting next to each other in the audience, and both of them simultaneously just apparently are in a silent giggle fit because no one's making any noise in the house, and they both go... (laughs) Simultaneously, from their silent <laughs> giggle fit, and then the whole room erupts again, and I'm still standing there with my creepy serial killer smile on, <laughs> in my like fully beveled, <laughs> yes, <laughs> psycho beauty queen pose.
1: I just remember a story from hay fever in college.
0: Oh my god! Yeah, do you remember I rem- this story with uh, I Christina? don't remember anything. I oh my god! I fell asleep.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, friend. Um, <laughs> so, to be
0: fair. There were other shows that year that were a whole lot better. Thank you. (laughs) That you were more of a starring role in. Thank you. Uh,
1: But (laughs) Hay Fever, during our final dress rehearsal, I remember there's the last scene with all the guests, and I was one of the guests, and Christina, um, I can't remember her last name. Anyway, Christina was in it with me, and the two other guests were on stage. And we're supposed to be having this dinner, and for those of you who don't know, Hay Fever is a upper-class British comedy by Noel Coward. So we're all saying these lines that are very high English, like, oh, it's positively maddening how this woman would treat us. (laughs) And so that was our basically the language of the play. And that was Christina's line. She basically had to say something to the effect of, like, it's positively maddening that they would treat us like this. The way Judith has been speaking to us is positively revolting. And, like, something to that effect. I don't know her lines because they were my lines. (laughs) And the thing is, is that we're sitting around the table doing the breakfast scene, and Christina gets – she fumbles over her line. And just in the middle of her line, just suddenly she's like, it's positively maddening that – Girl be Cray. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets better. So she says, Girl be Cray. The other three guests look at her and we're all like, The
0: fuck? <laughs> so we're all
1: trying not to laugh as we're eating these mashed potatoes, you know, th- that are cold, mind right? you. Oh my God,
0: and gross. so we're
1: all like dying. And the four of us walk off stage at the end of the scene and we're, we all turn to Christina and we're like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I did the scene perfectly. And we all just were like, Blackout mother. That's what
2: happened in my No. Yeah.
1: And and so we get to the end of rehearsal and we go to the notes section where Diana Trotter goes and sits on the edge of the stage. And she looks at Christina. And you know Diana Trotter, she oh, has yeah. that look. She, she, that look? she, oh, she just looks right at her and she says, Never again. <laughs> <laughs> and Christina was like, What? I was fine. And I don't we, know what you're
2: talking about. But
1: all eight of us in the cast were like, no, bitch, you said girl, girl be, be cray, cray in the middle of a 1920s British comedy. <laughs> and so we did not let her live this down anytime we saw no, her from across campus. Girl like, I would be standing in front of Warehouser, I would see Christina in front of the theater, and from across <laughs> campus, me and Preston would stand there and we'd just yell, girl be cray. she'd be like, Fuck
0: off! <laughs> <laughs> oh my favorite Perfect. moment like that was when I was in your good man Charlie Brown and I was Charlie and it was at the Bathhouse Theater on Green Lake, which if you haven't been there is this really tiny little theater. It's brilliant, it maybe seats a hundred people at most. Super tiny. But the, the orchestra pit is up on the wall behind you, the theater, mm. behind the stage. Mm-hmm. It's like 10 feet up and recessed into the wall. Um, and in order to get from one, one side of the stage to the other backstage, you have to go up a flight of stairs across behind the, the um, orchestra pit, down another set of stairs, and you're on the other side of the stage. Mm-hmm. But in order to make sure light from the dressing rooms, which are also up near that orchestra pit, Uh, make sure light doesn't come through the orchestra pit. There's a series of um, curtains back there, and they're all black, and it's very dark, and you can't see anything.
2: Oh, my God. Did you get tangled in the curtains? No.
0: Even worse. So I was on one side of the stage. Linus was on the other side of the stage. We both realized at the same moment that we were on the wrong side of the stage for (laughs) the next scene. Book it up the stairs and book it across the backstage area, not realizing the other was doing the same thing. Our heads hit so loud, oh they could hear it outside <laughs> the theater. <laughs> it was so painful. Oh. We both walked on stage for the next scene. We It was literally just a Charlie and Linus scene, so we right. could have come on from the wrong side, and it would have been, been fine. Yeah. We both walked on for the next scene with giant red marks on our forehead. <laughs> like, hey, He's Charlie Brown, how's your head? No complaints yet. There it is. There oh! it is.
1: Oh! Theater, where we come together with embarrassing I had a stories. huge crush on that
0: Linus, but that's another story for another time. <laughs> oh,
1: can we do a podcast about first crushes? Oh,
0: we should at some point. There should be. I have a lot of plans for lots of different ones. I
1: want to be on another. This was fun. This yeah.
0: Was fun. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. This has been a yeah, but. Um, make sure... Uh, Make sure to go on to iTunes or Google Play and rate, review, and subscribe um, because that's how we get up in the rankings and share the fuck out of us. Um, If you would like to follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, we're at Podcast on both. Um, If you want to buy my merch, I'm on DragQueenMerch.com. Also, check out Studio East.
1: That's Studio-East.org. Woo!
0: Ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh. Um, and find out all of that cool stuff going on over there and go see their shows. Yeah. Thank you Corey and Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. And we will see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Ya Bot with Vivian Gabor. Tune in next week. Same place same time.